service this morning, I'm so thankful that I am not an evolutionist, that I know that I have a purpose, and that purpose is in Christ. That was a great reminder in that song. As I said this morning too, I thank Yoshi, I thank the choir, and I also thank the computer for doing such a great job this morning playing as well. Uh, no no hiccups, that's, that's great. <laughs> I was joking with Josh earlier in the sound booth, and um, <clears throat> I was telling him I make sure that my microphone is off when I'm not up here. <laughs> um, you know, going to the restroom is a private matter. I don't want everyone else in here to hear that. And uh, to be honest, I just don't trust Josh. So, sorry, bud, but uh, I just don't. <laughs> so I make sure it's off, and I, and I made sure I even showed him so he wasn't tempted to come back in here and try anything fishy, all right? But um, 
Well, it's great to be here this morning. Um, for some of you, you may have seen in your bulletin that Pastor Nathan was supposed to preach this morning. Um, but he has been struggling and battling um, just an illness. And praise the Lord, he's doing better. He said he's about 85% now. And he was here this morning in his Sunday school classes. Um, but he is still not up to it. And so I got the call. He mentioned this morning in our prayer time, he said, um, I am the fill-in to the fill-in. Okay? So you are stuck this morning with the fill-in to the fill-in as pastor is in Florida and Pastor Nathan is still ill. Well, this morning, um, well, I got news of this um, just only a couple days ago that I was going to be speaking this morning to you. And I don't say these things to make excuses. Um, I just, I just want to say this to, so you understand that God's providence is perfect. He understood that this would take place. He understood that this would be the situation that I'm in and that you are in this morning as well. And um, the other day, uh, I, you know, I was thinking, okay, so I'm preaching today and Saturday I can study, right? Well, no, because all day Saturday I was um, in a birthing class with my wife. And let me tell you something, it's, it's a birthing class. Praise you women, you are very strong, you are um, incredible, I, I thank you so much for what you mean but and what you do to bring life into this world, um, but whew, I'm so glad it's not me, <laughs> so glad, <laughs> I'm sorry honey, okay, <laughs> this morning on our way to church we were uh, discussing, you know, we were, we were talking about that, that God's providence, and, and he knew he, even yesterday on, on our way to the hospital, just a couple blocks from the hospital, all of a sudden I heard the Jeep make a popping noise, a loud snapping noise, and I was like, oh no. It was just in the shop for two weeks, mainly because of parts and uh, waiting for those, and um, it was the power steering that went out on it, and uh, that was the shop reason a few weeks ago, and so I was driving down the road, and I heard that popping, guess what, my power steering was not working. And I was like, oh, I just replaced that. Not again. Well, we got to the hospital, and then lunchtime came, and we decided to drive just a few blocks down the road. And uh, we ate lunch, and then I looked under the hood, and I, I called trustee Jose. And I said, Jose, it doesn't look good. <laughs> I said, the belt in the front is really loose. And so apparently everything's not turning right. And praise the Lord, it happened that close to the hospital because otherwise my engine probably would have burned up, not having any fluids going through it and cooling it. And um, so that was a huge blessing. And even though there's that trial, we can still praise the Lord that, you know what, in this moment, he knew the perfect timing. And even if it wasn't at that timing, guess what? The Lord knew, right? And sometimes we think that way. Sometimes we think, oh, okay, it's just this moment. It's just this time. Okay, you know, thank the Lord, it's just that moment. And it was, but we can also thank the Lord even when it's not. God is in control of all things. And he knew that that would happen. And praise the Lord, Jose and Diana came to our rescue. And they, they picked us up and um, hung around with us for a little bit and brought us back. And um, thank you so much for that. And then right when we got home, we walked in the door. And I mean, we, didn't, we barely got our shoes off. And all of a sudden, I hear the doorbell ring. I'm like, oh, did I forget something? Or what is that? And uh, someone came by and brought some hot cinnamon rolls. You know, yeah, all right, amen, right? Huh. We like to eat those. And, um, and you know what? I was at, at that moment, at that moment, I was thinking, you know what, Lord? Lord, you know the situation. You know that it's going to be late night tonight. And, Lord, you know what um, I'm to do tomorrow and to preach. And that was just a reminder that, you know what? He still loves us. He still cares for us. He still knows and um, and that was just a blessing, an encouragement. So, so this morning, like I said, I don't say that to make any excuse. I say that to help us all understand that this is part of God's providence. That what he has given me this morning to preach to you is for us. Well, at least it's for me. On, on the way here this morning, my wife said, this, I mean, the Lord definitely has this message for you. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't know if she meant it that way, you know, if it's about the pregnancy brain speaking or what. Ooh, okay, well, hey, at least one got it, okay? <laughs> so this morning, let's take our copy of God's Word and let's turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. 
As you turn there this morning, I have a question for you. When I say polar opposites, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind when I say polar opposites? For some of you, it may be a political thing. You may be thinking Democrats, Republicans, opposites. It might be geographical. You might be thinking of the North Pole, the South Pole. For some of you, it might be relationships. Teens definitely are not thinking that way. But relationships, you might hear opposites attract. For some, for, for some of you, you might be thinking of countries and war, how there is this conflict. They oppose each other and they fight. I think of my brother and myself. We are opposites. We are the Jacob and Esau in the family. My wife is laughing. She knows exactly what I'm saying. We are complete opposites in the way we think, act, even cleanliness. I won't tell you who's cleaner. (laughs) But my wife can. (laughs) And so these are opposites, polar opposites. What comes to your mind when you think of of polar opposites? Well, here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17... Paul writes, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. When Paul thinks of polar opposites, he thinks of and he writes here of the flesh and the spirit. The opposites of opposites. The flesh and the spirit. And to understand this, this idea, this spiritual civil war that's within each and every believer. Okay, this is, happens to the believer. In each and every one of us as believers, this civil war that takes place between us, to understand it, we first, we first must grasp our position. First, we must grasp our position. We must then see our task. And finally, this morning, we will look at how we must apply the resources God has given us. First, we must grasp our position. All right. The book of Galatians. Teens, you have been studying this book with me this um, Wednesday night. And you know a little bit about some of this. We've been going through the book of Galatians. And it's been a marvelous study. Paul here, let me give you a little background. Paul here is writing not to a church, which he has typically done in his epistles. He is writing to churches, the churches in Galatia. We know at least four because Acts tells us that. But here in Galatians chapter one, he is writing to the churches in Galatia. Something else that's interesting, if you look at chapter one and verse six, he does something very unique, something very different to all other epistles that he has written. He says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Here it is. Paul jumps right in and he says, I am flabbergasted. I cannot believe what you are toying with. He directly, directly jumps right into the issue. Most of the other, all the other epistles that he's writing, he has a nice warm greeting. He's thanking them. But Galatians is very different, very different. Jumps right in. Now, what is it that this, these churches are doing? Well, what happened is, is there are these Judaizers that have slithered their way into the churches. They say they have come from James, though that was probably a ploy, probably a trick. But they come in and they say... Yes, Gentiles, you must have faith in Christ, but you must also be circumcised. You must also follow the Mosaic law. Whoa. Paul cannot believe it. He even says later, in, later on in the epistle, he says, what, have I done this in vain? Have I taught you in vain? Have I labored in vain over you? These Judaizers are coming in and they are trying to deceive. They are telling lies about the gospel. Let me tell you something. Do not change the gospel. Jesus Christ is the only 
way. It is not your works. It is not obeying the Mosaic law. Guess what? The law condemns us. It does not save us. And he tells us in chapter 1 again, he says, what, are you changing the gospel? Is there another gospel? No way. There's no other gospel. There's only one. It's Jesus Christ. And so this is the background of Galatians. This is what's happening in the churches of Galatia. And Paul's coming in and he's telling them what the gospel is. But not only that, he's also telling them how to live in the gospel. How it is a daily commitment to the Lord. And so, this morning, our first point that we'll be looking at is that we must grasp our position. Now, what position? We think of sports when, I think of sports, I don't know about you, I think of sports. Probably, Nick, you might think of sports when I say position. You think of your position on the field where you're going to play. But in this situation, we're talking about a spiritual position. And in chapter 5 of Galatians, in verse 1, Paul tells us the position, our position in freedom. Verse 1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. The Greek is saying this, for freedom Christ has set us free to be free. All right, that's what the Greek is implying here. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This yoke of slavery that the churches in Galatia were struggling with was circumcision, works, the law. For Christ has set us free. Look, our position in freedom is first Christ. Think about what Christ has paid for our freedom. He has paid the greatest price, the highest price, his life, so that we can be set free from the law. I mean, wouldn't it be ridiculous if you were set into a prison and in that prison, you are bound by the walls and the, and the doors, and you cannot get out. But then, you are set free. And all the prison doors are open. And as you walk out of your cell, you start heading down the hallway, the dark, dingy hallway. And along that path, you look to your right, and you see a cell that has a mattress. And you walk in. Wait, weren't you just set free? Why would you walk right back into another cell? Well, that's what the, the believers are doing here in Galatia. They have been set free. And yet the freedom that they have in Christ, they put themselves back in bondage with the law. Christ paid the high price for our freedom. Understand, our position in freedom is first and foremost Christ. Think about prison for a second. Why do people, why are people put in prison? Well, mainly it's because there is an inter, they do not have an internal restraint to control themselves. So we put external conditions to control them, right? They're violating the law. They do not have that internal constraint. And so therefore we put them in external control so that they can be controlled. There are rules. There are boundaries. There are walls. This is what you must do. There are restrictions and guidelines. That is the law, brothers and sisters. That is the law. It restricts us. It binds us. And we are not free. But when we have the Spirit, as a believer, you have the spirit and that spirit indwells you and as you are in as you are walking by the spirit guess what it is no longer your internal constraints because you yourself can do not have the internal constraints to constrain yourself from the law but the holy spirit does and that's where the freedom comes in because as a believer Christ has set us free, has given us the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit indwells us. And we are now enabled to fulfill what Christ has asked us to. 
we can now be set free from the bondage of the law to fulfill it. Now, does that mean then that, oh, okay, I am free. I can go back out into the world and live however I want? No, certainly not. Look at verse 13 in Galatians 5. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. No way. That's what he's saying. No way. Matter of fact, is the opposite. You are set free and have the, inter- the spirit internally to live out the life that God has called us to. Not to live in the flesh, but by the spirit. So our freedom is in Christ. Our freedom is in the Holy Spirit. You don't need to flip there, but Romans 8, 9 tells us that every Christian has the Holy Spirit. It says anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We are free in Christ and we are free because of the spirit. Look, our position is in freedom. Our position is in the Holy Spirit. We must grasp that as a believer, our position If you do not have Christ, if you have not put your faith and trust in Christ, if you are trusting in yourself, let me tell you something. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It is not you who saves. It is Christ. And if you are here this morning and you have not put your faith in Christ, Christ, guess what? You do not have the spirit, according to Romans 8, 9. And if you do not have the spirit, then guess what? You cannot walk by the spirit. And so not only in our point one, we must grasp our position, but secondly, we must see our task. There are some who believe that Part of the Christian faith, part of the Christian walk, part of being a believer is to, well, put ourselves, to flop ourselves on the Holy Spirit and say, all right, Holy Spirit, it is your job now to make me live a righteous life. That is not what Scripture says. It takes effort. It takes work. Those are sometimes hard things, aren't they? We don't always like to hear that. Sometimes we like to hear, okay, look at, look at the power of this and look at that. And we, can, and we just need to trust and rely. And, and that is, yes, right. But as a believer, we must do our part. And so we must see our task. You must see your task as a believer. But there are some fake tasks of holiness. Fake tasks of holiness. There are some people who equate holiness with how many times you go to church, how many times you read your Bible, how many times you pray. Let me tell you something. Holiness is not equated to how many. Holiness is an internal thing. The working of the Spirit in our lives. I remember as a young boy, Way before we even had the addition out there, um, you'd walk through those doors and there was a little alleyway or a little um, talking area. I don't even know. There was a sound booth behind that window a while back. You remember, Mike? And then right when you go throughout those, right when you go out those doors, you'd be outside. Okay. Um, it was, so it's been a while. And um, I was young and I remember that every time pastor would give a message and then the invitation, I would come forward. Now, I don't remember why I would come forward. I mean, the message could have been about how to be a great and godly mother. But guess what? I was at the front on my knees. Lord, help me be a great and godly mother. Okay? I would. I was equating holiness with my action. I was equating holiness by coming forward. That is a fake holiness. We try to put up these things. We, we say things. I... Sometimes we, we try to hint or tell others, look at how good and righteous I am. Whoa. Whoa. You know, we are guilty. I am guilty. We need to understand, though, that is not holiness. Trying to, trying to have other people think that you are holy is not holiness. You are making a god of yourself. So there is that fake holiness. But... 
There is the true task of holiness. Look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay. Walk. This is the Greek word, peripateo. Now, What's so fascinating in the Greek word here, peripateo, is to understand who Paul is writing to. Paul is not writing to the Jews. He is writing to the Gentiles here. The Gentiles in Galatia. Now, yes, there may have been a few Jews that were a part of the churches there. But this is Gentile nation, okay? And he is writing to them, and he specifically uses the Greek word peripateo. That means walk. The Greeks would understand that word peripateo because they would visually in their mind depict or picture peripateics. Those were people, those were students who would study under Aristotle. So when Paul, under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote peripateo, the, the Gentiles knew and could associate that with peripateics. Look, if, he was, if Paul was writing to the Jews here, he would have used a different illustration. He would have said something about the rabbis because they would understand that to the Jews, they understand what the rabbis were. They were the teachers and, the, and they, would, they would have students that would learn under the teachers. They would be talking about the students of the rabbis. But he's talking to the Gentiles here and he uses peripateo because peripatics, those were the students of Aristotle. They knew that. Paul is depicting, he is giving a visual image to the readers, to the believers in the churches of Galatia. Guess what? Walk by the Spirit. Peripateo is the idea of being a student of the Spirit. A student of the Spirit. We must yield to the Spirit. Ephesians 3.16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Look, we try to associate holiness with our externals, but guess where holiness starts? Guess where being spirit-filled, being walking by the spirit begins? Here, our inner being. Now, do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that all of a sudden we need to be monks and lock ourselves in the room and have this inner, inner self time with the spirit and, you know, have a powwow with him. No, that is not what I am saying. Understand that as we walk by the spirit, pateo, peripateo, as we understand that this holiness is the inside, our heart making the choices from within by the spirit's guiding, there is an outward action that takes place as well. So don't walk away from here saying, oh, this whole internal thing, it starts there. But understand there is an external part of it. Romans or Ephesians 5.18 says, but be filled with the spirit to live a holy life. We don't set up a bunch of do's and don'ts. We are to walk. We are to parapateo. By the Spirit, we are to learn and be students by the Spirit. So the task of holiness. Well, the task to continue to walk. Well, the Greek word peripateo is in the present tense. And what that means is very different than English, okay? Um, Some of you know that, but in the Greek verb the tenses are different, okay? So the present tense in the Greek here for peripateo is the continuous action. It is a continuous action over and over again. It is a daily routine. Something that you come to, is, it is, is not something that you like magically come to in your mind and you're like, all right, I got it. I will walk in the spirit and it is done. It is settled. It is sealed. I am finished. And I don't need to think about it again. That is not at all what this word means. It is saying it is a continuous action. I have an app on my phone. It's a Nike app. And um, I use it to run. Um, and so what I'll do is they give you these different medals, these different awards for different things that you do. And one of the, there are some awards that, hey, you ran three times in a week. Good job. And then they give you an award for that. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of awards in the 
don't make sense. I mean, they could give you a award sometimes for just starting the app, I think. But anyways, so they give you an award for doing these different things. I haven't gotten that one that many times. But so running three times. But guess what? It is a continuous thing. That number keeps going. Every time I do it, tick, tick, tick. That number keeps going up every time I do it. But guess what? Is that number going to go up if I'm going to sit inside with my phone being charged? No. There must be a decision, a commitment to which I must grab my phone, I must get my running clothes on, I must go outside, I start the app, and I start to run. And guess what? It doesn't tick until I continually do it. I must continually do it. That's what this is saying here. That's what Paul's saying here. You must continually prepare pateo, walk by the Spirit, learn by the Spirit, be a student of the Spirit. Let me ask you something. Who here likes to go to school? Who here like my wife likes to go to school? Good. Okay, a few of you like to go to school. Teens, do you, any of the teens like to go? To, no, I get. Are you kidding me? All right. Oh, well, you'll maybe change one day. Yeah. To be honest, I'm. I don't like to go to school either. It's, it takes work. I don't always enjoy writing the papers or studying or. It, it's just not that much fun for me. But guess what? This is a command to us as believers to spiritually train ourselves in learning what the Spirit does, in walking by the Spirit. And so it is continuous action to walk. But not only a continuous action to walk, but the task to oppose the flesh. Well, what is this flesh? All right, the Greek word in the flesh is sarks. And it can be used in two different ways. The first is an obvious way. When we say flesh, we think of our flesh. We think of our bones and, and the matter that we're made. I mean, this is what we think of when flesh, you know, pinch yourself, ouch, flesh. But there's a different time or there's a different meaning that can, it can mean as well. And it can mean a non-physical element that all men possess. This is a non-physical element that all men possess. Well, what is this non-physical element? It didn't. This flesh does not produce anything good. It produces sin. This flesh is incapable of righteousness. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Look, the flesh, the definition of the flesh is that which opposes God. And anything, believers, anything that opposes God, we must oppose as well. We must oppose the flesh. Flip over to James 1.14. I think we've got James 1.14. James writes... But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Here is the flesh. You ready for it? Lured. This is a picture of fishing. Who likes to go fishing? Okay, a few of you. I liked it when I was five, and and then it ended. <laughs> I just didn't like putting the worm on the hook. It just grossed me out. Anyways, here it is. Fishing, being lured. He is saying, he is, he's saying, oh, look at this. Guess what? Satan does that. Who else does that? The world does that. But guess who does it who is continually with you all the time? Your flesh. Your flesh continually does this. Your flesh lures. What? What's that? What is this? Hmm. I want to I see what that is. Lured. You know what's fascinating too is in that verse it says, in verse 14 it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own Desires, that word own is unique. Do you understand that every single person is unique? Now, this is not a commercial for unity, but this is really understanding this. We are all unique in the temptations that we have. Some of you may be struggling in your flesh with different things. It can be pride. It can be anger. It could be lust. It could be covetousness is unique to you. Now, yes, other people do struggle with the same thing. But guess what? You are unique in this way, in that struggle with your flesh. And guess what? This is what's so exciting. This is why the Spirit 
is in you as a believer to help you with that unique fleshly desire to assist you, to combat that flesh. Flip back back over to Galatians chapter 5. So we must oppose this flesh that has nothing good, is incapable of righteousness. How do we oppose the flesh? Well, Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. All right, that Romans 13, 14 passage is a parallel passage with our Galatians 5, 16 passage, which says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to read Romans 13, 14 again. Hear the parallel. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So what we can say is to walk by the spirit is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Recently, I've been going through my study chronologically through the Bible, and I've been reading through the Gospels. It's fascinating as you read the Gospels in chronological order, and you see the viewpoints of the different authors writing about the same events. And what's fascinating is to see the actions of Christ, how he acts, how he reacts. And walking by the Spirit is learning what Christ does. Put on Christ. What what it's saying is reflect Christ. Believers, that is the Christian duty to reflect Christ. We are to reflect him. Put on Christ. Walk by the Spirit. Same thing. The task to fight. Like I said, as believers... Walking by the Spirit is not something we just say, Holy Spirit, you've got this. Go, fight. Oh, we lost. Too bad I was rooting for you, Holy Spirit. That's not what this is saying. It is a command here. It is a command to the believers to walk. It is a command for us to fight. Get in the fight. Get in the battle. Listen to some of these verses. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death. That's pretty vivid. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. That takes some action. How about this? Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life is a race. We must run. It is action we must do. 1 Corinthians 9.27 Paul gives the illustration of boxing. We are to box ourselves into submission. The boxing ring there is the action of boxing, of fighting. 2 Timothy 2.3, we are to be a good soldier for Christ. Guess what? The Christian life is war. We are not to be bystanders, standing back, not in the battle. He calls us soldiers. Put on the armor of God, not the cardboard of man. We are to actively walk in the spirit and oppose the flesh. You want to oppose the flesh? You must learn from the spirit. You must put on Christ. You must oppose the flesh. You must resist the flesh. You must say no to the flesh. You must kill the flesh. You must fight the flesh. That's the task of the believer. Well, guess what? We are not alone. We are not alone. God has given us resources that we must apply in our lives. So our last point, we must apply our resources God has given us. Victory over the flesh is guaranteed When walking in the spirit. Isn't that exciting? Look, this is not a guarantee from the store. This is not a guarantee in a certificate that was mailed to you. This is not a guarantee that you go online and fill out the registration form and you get this 311 guarantee, three years, one year of parts and all that kind of stuff. That is not what this is. This is a guarantee from the Almighty, the one true God. He says, You will not. 
fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. But I say walk by the spirit. That's the command. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That will not. That not. Word not. Is in the emphatic negative in the Greek. It is saying there is no, no way that it will happen. Do you see the opposites? Do you see how Paul says that they oppose each other? You have the spirit and you have the flesh and you cannot put them together. They will not ever, ever, ever be together. No way. Impossible. It is emphatic. Matthew 26, 41 says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Spirit is, you know what that means? The spirit's not weak. Guess what? You have victory as a believer when you walk in the spirit. Romans 8, 3. God has done what the law could not do, and that is weaken the flesh. Many times we think that, okay, if I, I, I'm struggling with this sin, I, I'm struggling trying to find victory over this unique sin in my life, as James tells me. And what I need to do is I need to make a list. I need to, I need to go to church every time. I need to pray every day. I need to read my Bible every day. I need to, I need to say nice things to everyone that I come in contact with. I need to do this and this and this. And many times we make this list of things to do. Now, are those things wrong? Absolutely not. But guess where you're starting with? You're starting with this external list. You're starting with these things that you need to be doing. Instead of saying, Spirit, change my heart inwardly. That outwardly will flow May I learn from the Spirit. May I learn from the Holy Spirit. May I read the, the Gospels and see Christ's life and how I am to reflect Christ in my life. For it is His glory and not mine. Stop resorting to the list. And turn to the Spirit who is with you always. You know, when we sin, we can't say, well, the flesh won that one. You know, I was hoping the spirit would would have the victory, but I guess not. Oh, well. You know, just because a war is going on inside doesn't mean both sides have the same strength. You get that? Just because there's a war going on inside does not mean both sides have the same strength. The spirit is all powerful, not the flesh. There is no weakness in the spirit. The spirit is about helping our weakness. Romans 8.26 says that. If we ally with the spirit, there is always, always, always victory. And that victory is over the flesh. These resources are superior with the spirit. You see, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look, the moment of salvation, you have been given the spirit. The Holy Spirit now indwells you. In John Jesus Christ says, I must go so I can send the greater. And that is the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit as believers. And not only that, Peter writes and says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. You have been given everything you need to defeat the flesh. He has given us His word to which we are to study about who He is. He has given us Christ who intercedes for us when we pray to the Father. He has given the Spirit who indwells us as believers to therefore walk as believers. And so the resources of the Spirit are superior over the flesh. Now you might ask, okay, is it me or is it the Spirit 
that defeats the flesh. And to you this morning, I say, yes, it is both. We don't just say, spirit, it's all you. You got this spirit rooting you on. I have read for you those passages this morning in Colossians and Hebrews and Corinthians and Timothy. This is a race. This is a battle. We are in war. You are a soldier. You need to fight. You need to kill. We must act. And it is a continuous action that happens day after day after day in our life. We can never once think that we can go alone. Because if we are to think that we can do this alone, that I can defeat this flesh, that I can make this list and I can do this, you're walking in the flesh. The Spirit must be with us. We must learn by the Spirit. You see, when we try to do it on our own, that is when legalism takes over and pushes the ministry of the Spirit out. That is when we are in a cell, the prison, and we walk right out of that prison because we're free in Christ, and we just turn right around and go into another cell. We are not allowing the Spirit to work in our life when you are in the flesh. It is impossible. No, not. No way, Paul says. The flesh, however, is always present. The flesh will always be present in the believer's life and in everyone's life. But as a believer, the flesh is always present still until glory. There will always be a war, Christian. There will always be a battle, believer. It will always be, and that is why Paul says, continue to walk in the Spirit. But you know what's exciting? The flesh is always weaker. The flesh is always weaker. The spirit is in control. I was just flying, close with this, I was just flying to Florida and um, I was looking out. And, you know, every time it really does amaze me that something so huge as a plane with all the luggage, all the people in there can actually get off the ground. It just amazes me. And you know what? Guess what? As I'm in the plane, you know what I'm thinking about? Gravity still works. <laughs> but you know what's exciting? There's something greater than that gravity. You see, as that plane, the thermodynamics, as that plane was, we begin to lift off and to fly. There is something greater than the power of gravity. Yes, gravity still exists. Gravity is still there. Guess what? That plane loses a wing, its engines. Gravity is still going to have its effect. In our lives, believers, the flesh is still there. The flesh still has an effect. The flesh is still present. But, you know what's exciting? There's the greater. There's the greater of the Spirit in you. And so we must continually choose to walk by the Spirit. For the promise is, the flesh will not be gratified. And as a believer... That is our goal. As a Christian, that is our commission. To strive to walk by the Spirit. To be a learner of the Spirit daily. Let's pray. Father, this morning is is amazing to see the power of your word. Lord, as we have looked this morning at what it means to walk by the Spirit, I thank you, Father, That you have given us the greater. You have given us the Holy Spirit who has indwelled us. Who can conquer the bondage of this law. To conquer the bondage of this flesh. That we can be set free in Christ. And I thank you so much. That you have given us the power to do that. For, Lord, it is not just an easy task of, I will commit. I will surrender. That is not all it is. But it is a continually, continual daily reminder and commitment to walking, to learning Christ and the Spirit. 
with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I've brought a challenge this morning that Paul has brought to all believers to continually walk. Some of you may be struggling right now in your flesh. Some of you may be struggling with that sin that you just feel like I can't shake. Well, guess what, believer? You can't shake it alone. You can't get rid of it alone. You must be surrendered to the Spirit. You must walk by the Spirit. Some this morning may be thinking, you know what? I don't always, tr- I don't always remind myself to walk by the Spirit. I don't, I'm not having a constant walk with the Lord daily. I'm not, I'm not talking to Him and I'm not reading His Word. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being committed to learning what the Spirit has for me in the life of Christ that I am supposed to reflect. I am not doing that daily. I'm not. Let me challenge you, believer. Daily commit. Daily commit to be a learner of God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just take a moment right now and ask the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to help you with this. Ask Him to come alongside you. Ask Him to to be that partner. Ask Him and, and confess even that you've been doing it alone and confess and ask that that you will surrender and do it with the Holy Spirit, that you will be the learner of the Spirit. Take this time now and ask that. you are a great God and we thank you so much for the power of the spirit who indwells us as believers may we choose daily to walk by the spirit in your son's name amen well this morning we have a closing song and it is song 431 so if you'll stand with me this morning and uh, turn in your hymnal to, to song 431. We will close with this song. <clears throat> I need the Every hour, most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. And that'd be a reminder to us that we need him daily. We need him every hour so that we can walk by the Spirit, not gratify the desires of our flesh.